Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Show for August 4th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter at ETOF21, on Instagram at ETOF21 Sports, on TikTok at ETOF21 Sports. Wow. Can we believe it is August? Unfortunately, we did lose our first preseason game because the Jacksonville Jaguars defensive end doesn't understand simple contained defense, but it is what it is. We will live to fight another day, and football season is full effect. Content's going to be coming out right and left. NFC previews, AFC previews, weekly previews of divisions on the ETOF 2-1 Sports Show, which is live every Tuesday night, 10 p.m. on YouTube and Twitch. I'll be on BTV giving previews. My my rankings are going to be coming out. So guys, this is my time. Great time of season. Make sure you're giving me a follow. We have a great show for you today, Nick at FootballedGuy on Twitter and Instagram is coming on. We're going to talk some wide receiver rankings. XFL Jim's going to come on. We're going to tell you the CFL bets to lock in. Huge horse racing day at Louisiana Downs. My boy Gino's going to come on, break, give you a couple races to bet. And as always, my boy Brandon is going to come on. We're going to talk some NASCAR. So let's jump right into it. We've reached the point of the podcast where we're going to break down the fantasy football wide receiver rankings. And who better to come on than Nick, a.k.a. Fantasy Football Guy. You can follow him on Instagram and TikTok at Fantasy Football Guy and new to Twitter at F football guy. How you doing today, Nick? Very well, man. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Oh, uh, dude. You know, looking forward to having you on. I've appreciated your work for the last, we've known each other for about a year, like year and a half or so. Um, yeah. I'm, it's awesome that our schedules have, you know, worked out. You know, both of us have some stuff going on and happy to have you on and talk a little uh, wide receiver position. Um, so let's kind of jump right into it. Um, what we're going to do here is we're just going to break down our top 10, give like a little reason why we have them ranked, why we do. And then, uh, we're going to look at the players that are going to look to target and players that we're going to look to fade. So let's jump right onto it. Who do you have as your number 10 wide receiver this year? Uh, I think I have, who is it I had in my rankings? I'm about to post my rankings in a couple okay. days. Well, maybe today, maybe tomorrow. We'll see. Um, I think I got. I got Tyree Kill at seven. Who did I go ahead and put in my 10? Oh, man. I can't even remember, to be honest with you. Um, you, I can tell you this. Your rankings and my rankings are fairly close. Okay. Like I noticed, I think you put Tyree Kill at eight. I think I have him at seven. Um, first and foremost, on your rankings, let me just say this. Thank you for not putting C.D. Lamb inside your top 10. <laughs> because, I mean – Everybody is putting that guy in their top 10. Um, I appreciate you being kind of a contrarian and having the the courage to not do that. I think I might have C.D. Lamb right at my 10, to be honest with you. That's probably my 10th wide receiver right now. Um, I'm fairly certain I put him at 10, maybe 11. But I just came out my rankings, you know, made my image, and I just can't remember who I have right at 10. But I'm pretty sure it's C.D. Lamb. And when I looked at yours, I love that you didn't have him inside your – your top 10 like yeah. everybody else is he is not in my top 10 and my worry with cd lamb is when he was lined up outside his production just wasn't there um exactly that that's my one worry my 
my number 10 is I have Michael Pittman. Um, you know, Matt Ryan's throwing to him, historically speaking, unless you're like a quote unquote top tier talent like the Jamar like Jamar Chase. Um, year three is when the wide receivers take that big step forward. And, you know, I think Pitt, I think that's going to be Pittman's wide receiver room. I really, really don't like anyone there. Um, maybe Paris Campbell is a flyer, but yeah. I, I have Pittman right there as my number 10. Uh, number nine, who do you have? Okay, so I do have Keenan at my 10th. I do have okay. CD at my ninth. I just found my wide receiver rankings. I got them right here in front of me. So, um, but, you know, since I made these rankings about a week back, takes me a little i work a lot so it takes me a little time to get images made doing this all by myself um i'm thinking about changing that simply because i want cd probably right there at the 10th for the same reasons you just mentioned literally can't can't you know there's an article i read about the old days in football and these guys used to go out into the dark and the quarterback was able to connect with his wide receiver in the pitch black because it was all about timing the five to seven drop back for the QB and the wide receiver was just there and they were catch balls in the pitch black dark. What you saw from CD last year was the complete opposite with his connection and timing and chemistry with Dak Prescott. I mean, it was terrible passes way over his head miss. I mean, the routes were being run like he didn't even run the right route. So I, I kind of, like I said, really do agree with you. Um, I'm just kind of hedging that bet because now with Gallup announcing that he's not going to possibly be ready for the beginning of the season, CeeDee Lamb's like the only guy there in the team right now. Um, I do feel he'll get doubled, which yeah. is going to really open up things for Schultz. I think Dak Schultz or uh, Dalton Schultz is going to have – he's going to have a huge year this year, Dalton. Um, I was sorry to see that they didn't give him a big contract. You know, I mean, on a contract year, they yeah. shouldn't shop him next year. They need to keep Dalton. He's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but those are my two interchangeable right now. Keenan Allen and CD Lamb right there at the nine and ten spot. My nine, and I'm going a little crazy here. He's really low. Stefan Diggs. And I just feel like mm. he's not gonna have how can I say this? I think the Bills and my power rankings are the top of the list. Yeah. Uh I think they're gonna just gonna be so ahead in most of their games, especially toward the end of the season that you're just not going to get the production because they're just going to be running the ball more. And we saw last year, the back five, they did run the ball a lot more. So that's kind of like my worry and why I have them a little bit lower. And then I started looking the um, chiefs, dolphins and Patriots all played man under when they played the, uh, played the bills and Diggs wasn't a factor at all. And those were the Gabriel Davis games when he got, when he had those big games, especially in the playoffs against KC, I think it was like four touchdowns. So I think maybe more teams may start playing man under against against the Bills. Plus, I think the Bills are going to run the ball a lot more this year. I don't know with their offensive liar, offensive line hire of Aaron Cromer. So I have Stefan Diggs at nine. That's a little low, but you know, I'm I don't know. I like to think outside the box sometimes. Yeah, um, I do have Stefan Diggs pretty high. Um, I have him at uh, number four, um, mm -hmm. kind of to the opposite of what you just said. Gabe Davis hit on the map last year. Yeah. Now, a stat that I found, I made a post about a month ago, breaking mm -hmm. down why I think Stephon Diggs might even be able to end the season as the overall wide receiver one. I mean, we're all saying that he had an off year last year, and his off year is being considered 103 receptions, 1,225 yards, and 10 touchdowns. I mean, if that's an off year, bro, I'll take that all year long. Now, the interesting stat, 
over the last two seasons, Stephon Diggs has been doubled more than any wide receiver in the entire NFL, more so than Devontae Adams, more so than Cooper Cup. Yet he still achieved 100 more yards than Cup over the two years. So he had about a 50.7 double team rate in the games he played. The next closest wide receiver to him that was being doubled on a week-to-week basis was Devontae Adams, and this was like 30.9. Like He saw almost 20% more coverage but was able to achieve 100 more yards than Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup the last two years. Now, with Dave Gabus, his big breakout on the scene last year, they're not going to be able to do that to Diggs anymore. So Diggs now, because they're going to have to focus on Knox, they're going to have to focus on Gabe Davis. So I think Diggs is going to get open back up this year to start seeing single coverage. Um, his footwork is impeccable. His, he's got the crispiest routes in the game right now, one of the best route runners. Um, so we'll see. Now your logic is sound because when teams have better offenses, they get up, they, they start running the ball to end the game. That's where, and that's where garbage time comes in for yeah. our running backs, as we all know that. So I can see both sides, to be honest with you. I like your stat, uh, but the one I found was very interesting when I, when I broke that down. I was like, wow, this guy saw 20% more coverage than every – 20% more double coverage than every wide receiver in the NFL, yet he was still able to achieve what he did. That, that's impressive. You know, it really and, was. And just to piggyback your point, last year's second in red zone targets, yeah. second in uh, – air yards so i mean i agree with everything you said and i mean the guy is an absolute monster so i mean i could totally see him going off but yeah i don't like i just sometimes i just like to think differently and this is the best thing about the fantasy football stuff because we all have stuff we look at and Mm -hmm. i much i like it better when people disagree than when people come on you know what i mean then people come on and say you know so it's always as good to get as much info as you can and then you as viewers decide what you want to do with it and that's why Absolutely. i like Nick on here nick if you're not following him ig a his artwork is flipping insane what he's able to do with these posts with the <laughs> graphics and everything and he's got top rate knowledge so that you guys got to make sure you're following him at fantasy football ball guy on the gram um number you, eight who you got number eight man i got debo okay all right all right. What, I know you got I know you got him a little higher. Yeah. Yeah. What um why do you have him at eight? It's a grab bag right now with that whole entire 49ers offense. I'm I'm not sure what Trey Lance is gonna do. I know Trey Lance is getting I mean the hype, the hype meter is full blown slide all the way to the right. Uh so before you I, go, let me just ask you this. What yeah. do you think of Trey Lance? I don't know, man. You know, can he be this phenomenal talent? I mean, they picked him for a reason. They invested high draft capital in him. I just – all the film I've tried to find on him, he's great. But it's like he played 14 games yeah. in his entire collegiate career. And now he's just in the NFL. He came on in a couple strong games last year. Uh, I, I don't know, man. Uh, that's he's, he's a complete – he's a unicorn to me right now, like a mythical unicorn – I, I, I just can't gauge where I, I need to do. I, I, I can't kind of predict any wide receiver or running back. You know, the Shanahan offense, any wide receiver, any running back on a given week, whoever's whoever's in the game is going to eat. Yeah. Um, you know, they're seeing Brandon Ayuk and and his, you know, all this, all this practice. He's getting a ton of Ayuk love. He seems to be his number one overall option. Uh, 
Debo saying he doesn't want this particular type of role in the offense right now with Trey Lance coming in. It's just hard, man, because you know, if they're gonna if they're gonna make design play actions and bootlegs, Debo will eat in that kind of in that kind of offense. He will. And you know, Trey Lance is gonna be a running quarterback of the archetype, kind of like a Jalen Hurts, uh, uh Lamar Jackson. I'm sure they're gonna make some RPOs for him. Yeah. But it's just first year, it's his first true year under center. I mean, it's it's hard for me to predict right now. I think he could be a huge boom. I think he could be a huge bust. I really do. Plus, the 49ers only have one, one starting offensive lineman coming back. Granted, it's Trent Williams, best left tackle in the game, but I know that's a worry point. Um, so your number eight is Debo. My number yeah. eight is Devontae Adams. Um, I mean, I look at it like this: he's switching offenses. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, this offense, ton of weapons. They, but he has, it's a worse O-line. Derek Carr is not in the, not close to Aaron Rodgers. And plus he's at the age where wide receiver production starts to drop a little bit. That's why I have him there. Also, I know he played with Derek Carr in college, but you know, like when you've been playing with Aaron Rodgers for what, like nine years, you're used to the way he plays, even though you played nine years together and just the target share, I think, is going to drop because he was the only game in town in Green Bay. He just – Rodgers just peppered it up. So I think that I have him at eight. Could I see him being, like, a top five, top four wide receiver? Yeah. But I always kind of like to err on the side of caution. That's kind of me. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I agree with that. You know, I have him a little higher than you. Um, he's in my, he's inside my top five. Mm-hmm. Um just because the guys average 16 touchdowns a yeah. year over the over the last three years, Argu- arguably the Raiders had the best wide receiver core in all of football. Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, when they're back and they're all healthy, nobody's going to be able to defend that. I, I don't even know what teams are going to do. I really don't. Um, it's going to be fun to watch them every week. They're in a very competitive division. They're in the most competitive division in the history of oh, the yeah. NFL, the AFC West, with the Broncos, the Chiefs, and the Chargers. Can they come out and make a playoff spot? I don't know. Probably not. Not against the Broncos, not against the Chargers, and not against the Chiefs. But no team's going to defend them. It's just it's not going to happen. Yeah. As long as they can all stay healthy, um, it's going to be lights out. And, you know, when they get into that red zone, it's a it's a pepper it up and Devontae Adams comes down with it. Do I think he's gonna get 16 touchdowns again this year? No, but I'm gonna go ahead and call him at 13, 14, honestly. Um, because that's what he does. Once again, going back to being double teamed, he's he's probably the best route runner. Him and Diggs probably the two best route runners in the NFL. So um when you have a number one wide receiver like Devontae Adams and you're the quarterback, you best be throwing it to him. You yeah. better be. And that's what I remember as an Eagles fan all those years, the the locker room strike between McNabb and Owens. Owens was already a popcorn-eating, you know, off-field antics. And they were always having complications in the locker room because – Uh-oh. McNabb wasn't the best quarterback in the NFL at that time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they arguably – they did have their best seasons collectively together when they played together. But that was with him not throwing him the ball that much. So I think just knowing Derek Carr, knowing Devontae Adams, having the chemistry from the previous years that they did, they're like best friends. They're Thunder Buddies. So 
they're going to they're going to connect a lot this year. Now the offensive line is a question, uh, but you know Carr can also scramble. He's he's underrating with his uh, escapability. So I'm excited again to see that offense do what it can do. Um, definitely O line concerns, but it's Devontae Adams, man. All, all he's done is elevate that team to an extent where they they both now not they both, but Carr can probably have his best season overall in the history of his uh, eight years on the in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, who's your number seven? I got Tyreek. Okay, Tyreek the freak. Yep, yep. Um, so let me ask you this question, okay? I've never been a Tua guy. I've never been a Tua guy. The Dolphins have wide receivers, Hill and Waddle. Some people are projecting him in the top 20. Do you see a possibility where that could happen? Yes, I do. Okay. Yes, I do. So um, I do. If, that, if that does happen, if I'm a fantasy football player, and I miss Tyreek Hill. Should I draft Tua or should I try to get Waddle in the third? I mean, take Hill or get Waddle. No, no. Let's let's say I'm let's say I have the eighth pick and Hill gets off the board on seventh. Mm-hmm. Am I better off trying to draft Tua like in the eighth or ninth round or trying to get Waddle in the fourth? What would you do if in that scenario? I'd go Waddle. I always wait on quarterback, and you know. Yeah. You might you might still be able to get to a later on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now you know, like Devontae Adams came out and called Carr Hall of Fame, you know, quarterback. We all saw that, right? Everybody was yeah. making fun of that, and yeah. then we all came. We all saw what Hill said about Tua. Now, counterpoint to that, Tyreek Hill might might not have gotten himself a Hall of Fame quarterback, but Tua sure as hell did get himself a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um. of Tyreek's Hill production on the Chiefs has came from catches 20 yards and less. So this whole, this whole Tua doesn't have an arm. He can't throw the deep ball. It doesn't matter. Tyreek Hill doesn't need to catch the deep ball. He's got 70.9% of everything he catches since he was a, as a Kansas city chief has been with, has been less than 20 yards. 13.4% was behind the line of scrimmage. 15.4% 15.4% was past 20 yards. So Tua does work in the center of the field. They're going to be running cross slant routes, fades. I could definitely see a world where, and Tua is just very accurate. He doesn't get enough praise for how accurate of a quarterback he is. You know, some injury concerns there with his hamstrings, of course. Uh, but can both of them, if Kirk Cousins can sustain two top 12 wide receivers twice in his career, and now Tua has Waddle and Tyreek Hill, arguably was one of the fastest wide receiver duos in the history that we've seen in the in the past decade. It can definitely happen. They might even win the NFC. They might they might win the AFC East this year for the first time in a long time. Yeah. Well, I mean, who else is there? You got the you got the Jets. I mean, they're going to compete with the Bills. Yeah. So the everybody's predicting the Bills to be thirteen and four, fourteen and three. But I I like I like the Dolphins this year. It's no bias that I'm down here in Florida. It's just uh. They're a good team, man. Their defense is up there with the top five in the NFL. Um, I think they're going to surprise people this year. Okay. They are. I think oh. they are. My number seven, I'm going out to L.A. I'm taking Keenan Allen. Um, one thing I like to do is I just kind of like to look at um, how many top 24 weeks wide receivers had. He finished top 24, 10 out of 16 games, and there was only five wide receivers 
that had more top 24 um, uh, appearances than he did. He's like, he's like this dude. He just doesn't do anything. You just look at the, up at the end of the year. Oh, you know, Keenan Allen top 10 yet again. You know what I mean? It's like nothing sexy, nothing like out of the ordinary. He's just consistent year after year after year. And I mean, I, I think that trend's going to continue. I like him a lot. Um, I know the Chargers are kind of catching a lot of wind as being the the it team this year. But, uh, yeah, I like him at seven. That's where I got him. Uh, who who do you have as your number six? Uh, my number six, I got Mike Evans. Okay. I got Mike Evans. I, okay. I love Mike. I love Mike this year with Tom Brady, man. <laughs> you know, the, the certainty of Chris Godwin. Um, now they just signed Julio Jones, of course. So that's going to be hard to gauge that. So I um, think like the who now this is just me. This is the way I look at it. And I want you like, tell me your opinion on this. I think the Julio signing speaks is going to have more of a negative effect on Russell Gage. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, just because I think that speaks more of that, but go ahead with your part of Mike, Mike uh, Evans, my fault. Oh, he's just, he's, he's a big body. He does work. You know, the only wide receiver in the history of the NFL to have what 7,000 yard seasons, 8,000 yard seasons. No, it's never been done. I think one of the next closest guys to do kind of follow in that, in that pattern right now is Brandon cooks. You know, Brandon cooks has six out of 7,000 yard seasons possibly can make it a seventh this year. I'm very high on cooks. Yeah. Um, but just with the Gronk being removed now, he's, he's not going to come back. Not in my opinion, anyways. Um, Mike Evans is going to eat like a mofo, man. I mean, this guy is – he's an amazing wide receiver, kind of like what you just said, just production about Keenan Allen. Does it quietly, never gets big, you know, big praise. It just does it behind the scenes. And um, I can see 15 TDs from Mike this year, man, 15, 16 TDs. Easy. Yeah. I actually they did just – yeah, they did just lose a huge part, you know, their offensive line right there as training camp started, which is pretty crappy. But – um, Mike's going to eat, man. I I actually have him at five. Um, just to piggyback what Love you it. said, in his two seasons with Brady, he's had double-digit TDs in both of them, and he's had eight straight thousand-yard seasons. I mean, like, how can yeah. you not? You know what I mean? Like, it, he's just yeah. there. You know, like year after year, he's shown yeah. he's going to get the production. You know, you just got to yeah. you just got to roll with it. Um, so you he do. was my five, my six. I have um, Tyreek. Hill, um, I think they're going to use Tyreek the way the 49ers used Debo last year. I think they're going to line him up in the back backfield more, give him some carries. Uh, their offensive line, they got Armstead, the guy from uh, New Orleans. They brought in Connor Williams from Dallas. So I think the O-line is going to be better for the Finns. I think they're going to put swings passes, like basically everything you were saying. Just put him in space yeah. and yeah. let him go to work. Um, so yeah, I like Hill. I have him at uh, I have him at six, and I think he could see a Debo role because McDaniel has been with Shanahan since the Cleveland days. You know what I mean? So I really think yeah. everything from San Francisco is just going to go down to Miami. Um, my my five was Mike Evans. Uh, who who is your five? My five is Jamar Chase. Oh, okay. What? Talk to me about Jamar. Well, you know, there's some tape out now. Um, they did improve their O-line. You know, the Bengals made some big O-line improvements this year. You know, they got uh, LaBelle Collins as a right tackle. They were able to get Ted Karras as a new center, and they got a strong right guard in Alex Kappa. 
Um, but Jamar Chase is going to get kind of doubled this year, man. You know, he, he, he he's going to. Um, that's why – and Burrow. Burrow got sacked 70% on dropbacks last, last year. That's the third most in NFL history. So I'm glad they made some O-line improvements. But when a quarterback gets sacked as much as he did, a team needs to make strides to keep him healthy. Because if he keeps getting hit like that, he's not going to stay healthy. So now they lose their franchise quarterback. So they made some strides and improved their O-line. But I think that's probably going to be on his mind. It's going to be psychological. I still see Joe, Mix- Joe Mixon getting a lot of dump outs. That's what these smarter, older quarterbacks like Tom Brady and Matt Ryan do because they know that they're older, their bodies are more fragile, and that's why they dump down to their running backs a lot because they don't want to take that hit. They don't want to get sacked. They want to stay in the game. So I see a big year for, for T. Higgins in that regard. Um, but I think they're going to both eat, man. They're, you know – I want to put Jamar Chase higher. I really, really do. Uh, but just kind of my my thing with what I said about C.D. Lamb, Jamar is going to get doubled every week. He's going to get doubled and doubled and doubled. Um, teams would be smart to do so. You know, they really would. <clears throat> you know what? God damn it, Nick. Now you have me second guessing why I put Chase, dude. You know, I'm looking at my notes. I'm looking at my notes for Jamar. And just kind of, get, you know, now you got me thinking, you know. Um, just feedback what you said. Um, Bengals were 20th in pass attempts last year, finished yeah. seventh in yards. And just okay. kind of looking back, all that came on hot routes during blitzes where he would just th- Burrow would just throw it up to Chase. You running, running because he had to run. Yeah. You yeah. mentioned the improved offensive line. With the improved offensive line, I don't think he's going to get as much. Me- you know what I mean? I don't think the pressure is going to be there as much. And mm-hmm. also – you know, I can't find any history on this in the NFL, but I did find some in MLB. Burrow had an abdectomy um, earlier this week. I haven't found any quarterback that had one in production when I was looking online, but I did find MLB pitchers after they have one, their velocity tends to drop down a little bit. So it's going to be interesting to see if that happens with Burrow. I have Chase at two, but now after thinking, now after like playing everything that you said in my head and reading my notes, I may have to readjust my rankings a little bit. So you made some great points. So I'm definitely going to think that over. Um, My number five was Evans. I already mentioned that. My number four, I went with Debo. Um, My thought process, as soon as what I think is going to happen is Debo just wants to get paid. And once they're like, and he's going to get the Garoppolo money once Garoppolo comes off the books and you have a young quarterback you have an offensive line only returning one. I think they're going to use him in the same light. And I think Elijah Mitchell's knee issues are a little bit more serious than the 49ers are letting us know because they did spend that high draft capital and they drafted that kid. So I have Debo at four. Who do you have at four? I got Diggs. I got Stephon Diggs. Um, I am concerned about, like I said, I, I mentioned earlier, I'm just kind of concerned about the, the 49ers offense. You know, NFC championship game last year. But just with Trey Lance under center, um, you know, hey, look, Debo's been injured every single year of his career other than last year. I think he knew he was on a contract here in sense. He needed to perform. He would get – he would be walking off to the sidelines, limping. You're thinking, oh, crap, here we go again. He was right back in the game two plays later. He single-handedly kept the 49ers pretty much in that NFC Championship game against the Rams. They still end up losing, of course, as we all know. 
but it's on his mind. He's like, man, I got to go back in the game. I can't be this. I can't be known as this injury prone guy. Now, as running backs get beat up and the way they were using him, his body took some hits last year, but he's a grown man. That boy, you know, he, he can, he can do work, but what is Trey Lance's tendencies going to be? What is his tendency? We have no, we have no idea what Trey Lance is going to do. Is he going to throw these swing runs? Are they, what kind of plays is the coach Shanahan, who's an offensive minded genius going to put his players and utilize their skill sets and put them in the best, set them up for success, you know, utilize his player strengths, not trying to just do what other teams are doing. I wish in real life for Debo performing good for the first time for four months, I, I wish that was like that for all of us. All we have to do is go, do good for our job in four months of, of, our, of our careers and, and get paid, bro. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I wish that was I wish that was real life. Yeah. But he's he's asked for this money. I have no idea where the NFL is coming up with all this money. I know they signed a new NFL contract. The media rights were there. They got billions of dollars from that. But we can't. We're also coming off a of COVID year. I mean, the, 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 these wide receivers that are getting paid, these quarterbacks that are getting paid. I'm really starting to wonder if it's teams almost investing in them and giving them capital for the future. Yeah. Um, because I have no idea where this money's coming from. I, I'm wondering if cap cap space is even a thing. It's, it's amazing I, how this wide receiver market has got so inflated. Um, I'm sure he'll get paid like you said, but if you look at disgruntled players that have had to sit out or beg their teams to pay them, they get the paycheck, right? They got that yeah. guaranteed money. And then they don't really come back the next year and give it their all. Why? Because yeah. they don't want to get hurt. They don't want to, you know, risk losing out on some money. I don't know. Like, I, I, I love Debo. I love Debo. I really like him as a football player. I just – the offense is, is, is kind of doing a big shift for me with Trey Lance yeah. being under center. That's going to change yeah. up things for me. Yeah, you don't know what you're getting. Um, so it is a big worry point. I agree with everything you're saying 150%. Um, so uh, my number four is Debo. Who is your number three? So I have him farther, farther down than, than you did, as I kind of mentioned earlier, Devontae Adams. Um, yeah. Just because, you know, he, he is arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL next to Cup. Um, mm-hmm. You know, average 16 touchdowns. He got 18 touchdowns last year, and that, that is Aaron Rodgers, of course. That is Pepper, insane. Pepper, that's insane. But, you know, he's like I said, he's average 16. So I still think he's going to be up there. I still think he's going to do what he does. He's undefendable. And now he has – There's he's not going to see much double coverage because Renfro is going to be taking some work. Waller is going to be taking some work. Every All three of those guys are going to be wide open this year. Carr's, Carr's going to have it easy, man. He's, he's going to just have to be on the drop back and pepper it to whoever he wants. He's – you know, getting a guy like Adams is is huge. And Carr is, isn't bad. Now, I'm not saying that Derek Carr is – Joe Montana, Steve Young. I'm not saying that. So whoever's watching this, please don't take this out of context. But Derek Carr is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. He's actually the only quarterback to ever hit a 90% completion rate in a game twice in his career. He actually did it back in, I think, 2019 against my Eagles, where he completed 31 for 34 passes at a 90.2% completion rate. So he is highly accurate when he throws the ball and now he has three wide receivers and if the new coach is going to have any kind of sense he's going to let Derek Carr just throw that rock this year you know he really is they're going to have a lot of red zone opportunities 
And I think, like, I don't think the Raiders' defense is going to be that good. You mentioned how good the AFC West is going to be. There's going to there's going to be a lot of high scoring games out yeah. there. In, yeah, out there yeah. in the West. Um, now, I mean, you know, they 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 do beat the Chiefs. They have beat the Chiefs. Yeah. You know, the reason why I like Derek Carr is because he's a competitor. I love the guys that I see coming. They rally the troops. They're optimistic. He's always pumping them up. I hate the quarterbacks or any player in regard that just is over there sulking, you know, head down, upset that he's not getting the ball. I hate, I don't like that. I'm not a fan of that. Hey, it's a game. Remember, you're getting paid to play a game. It's a privilege, not a right. So have fun while you're out there. Don't forget it. You know, we're the fans. Like Derek Henry, I just found out, has some kind of clause in his contract with his agent where he's only allowed to sound one, sign one autograph when he's out and about. You know how many kids are probably coming and, and yeah. putting, hey, man, we – one autograph, bro? Are you kidding me? I, yeah. That's that's kind of that's that's not cool, bro. You know, that's, we we, we make know, who you a little are. weird. We make, yeah, it's very weird. Like we make who you are, bro. Like you would yeah. do nothing without us. Yeah. So yeah, that's a little weird um, that he has that. Um, that's that's very weird, and I don't think that's cool at all. You know, um, but yeah, I got I got Adams at three, just because mm-hmm. he's Adams. You know, yeah. I mean, I know he's on. He's, he he went from Rogers to Carr, but Carr doesn't get the respect he deserves. He does. Yeah. You know, he was arguably, well, yeah, arguably he's under-respected. You mentioned leadership. Um, I'm a coach, so I value leaders. I think he's one of the most underrated leaders in the NFL. You look Absolutely. at everything that Raiders team had to endure last year, and he was basically the man there leading everyone, getting everyone focused. So I Absolutely. agree with everything you're saying. Um, like I said, though, I'm an Everyone knows I'm a negative Nancy, so I just always kind of look at the negative stuff and stuff. That's just the way I roll. Hey, it, devil's advocate, devil's uh-huh. advocacy is is a necessary, and a lot of people forget that the Raiders almost beat the Bengals in that playoff round. You know, they did. It, they almost they came back. almost beat. They, they almost made the playoffs. Back. Yes, they made the playoffs. And think about the people that Derek Carr had to throw to. He lost Renfro at the end. He lost War. He had Zay Jones. He yeah. was able to bring the Raiders to the playoff with Zay freaking Jones as his number one. Zay, and Brian Zay and Brian Jones. Edwards. Yeah. Zay Jones, he was I think he's quietly a little bit of a sleeper for the for the Jags mm-hmm. this year. Um, I think he's a little under the radar. Um my number three, and maybe this is just me being a negative Nancy again, Justin Jefferson. Now, bright side, every team in the north has insane defensive back issues. Packers have great defensive back issues. Lions have defensive back issues. Bears have defensive back issues. O'Connell, the new coach, he has said in his system he wants to throw the ball more, less running opportunities, use the pass to set up the run. So that means more targets, more throwing opportunities. Negative part. The Vikings only ran three wide receiver sets 5% of the time last year. And they're going to run three wide receiver sets this year. Who does that number three wide receiver, like whose target share does he cut into? You know what I mean? Does he cut into Thielen? Yeah. Does he cut into Jefferson? Yeah. Is it kind of like a split? That's a little bit of my worry. But, and that's, I guess that's kind of why I have him at three right now. But after thinking about what I, my Jamar Chase notes and what you said about Jamar Chase, I'll probably move Jefferson up to two and jump and drop Chase down to three. That's kind of where my head is right now after talking to you. Um, who is your number two? Justin Jefferson. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, perfectly to piggyback off what you just said. Yes, they had the fifth most 5% three wide receiver sets. That's because yeah. they were under that 
Kubakian offense for years, if you will, run heavy. They had the second most 11th man personnel in the league the last two years next to the Eagles. So they pounded the rock. And how you said they want to throw the ball more to open up the run game, where most teams flip-flop that. They run the ball more to open up the passing game. Now, as they've been run heavy the way they have, and Justin Jefferson has still been been able to do what he does on a run heavy 11 personnel offense. And now they're going to say, Oh, we're going to throw the ball because once again, we have Thielen, we have Osborne, we have Irv Smith, who I think is a big sleeper this year. Um, Kirk Cousins, again, highly accurate quarterback, man. I can see the volume for Jefferson being in his third year, the highest he's seen. So he should, you know, Jamar Chase, Jefferson, Cup, Adams, they're all like very interchangeable right now. One could be, you could, you could interchange all those guys right now. They really can, you know, the volume is going to be there for all of them. Like I said, when you have a wide receiver like that on the field, that's a quarterback, you're going to throw it to him. If you don't, you're going to get, you're going to get sat. Like, and the coach is going to get upset. You have to throw it to the best player on the field. You really do. Now, I don't mean to open up this, this memory for you, but how as an Eagles fan do you feel? Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. Well, <laughs> that, we passed on Jeffers, that we passed on Justin Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> you know, man, the Eagles have made uh, – the upper echelon, the organization has made some of the worst decisions in the history of the NFL, in my opinion. And I can't imagine what it's like being a Lions fan. I, I, my, my neighbor is a Lions fan. But oh I God. think the Lions – Lions are just like the Raiders – for me, they're going to be that dark horse in the yeah. NFC North. I'm not saying they're going to, but hey, man, golf can sling it. Golf is set up for success. Now, the Eagles throughout my life growing up, they get Randall Cunningham. I mean, my dad used to call them the Philadelphia Cunninghams. You know, I mean, they let him go. Yeah, uh, we got Reggie White. They let him go. He goes on to win a Super Bowl with some other team. They get Ricky Waters. They let him go. He goes on to win a Super Bowl with the 49ers. We get Brian Dawkins. My favorite player of all time, the Wolverine. Yeah. They let him go. They under, underestimated him in the free agent market. Yeah. Broncos paid him 13 mil for two years. He took the Broncos defense from 27th the year before down to second overall. I mean, that one player was so impactful that he literally revolutionized their defense. Um, yeah, they, they don't – the Eagles, Howie Roseman, he made some decent moves this year. Um I think I think Devontae Smith, now this is going to be very controversial what I'm about to say, but I think Devontae Smith, as we all know, is hyper-talented. Uh, he made probably the best highlight catches of any wide receiver in the NFL last year, but Hurts was putting the ball 10 feet above his head. That's where my concern is with Hurts. And where I have Hurts in my rankings, I'm sure when I post him, I'll get roasted by a lot of people, but I'm concerned about the guy's arm. I'm sorry, but I am. He, 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 he can't throw. And if I'm a defensive coordinator – I'm spying Jalen Hurts, who runs a lot, and I'm making you beat me. I'm making him beat me with his arm. I'm going to make him say, you have to pass to beat us, and we're not going to let you run because we're going to take one guy that's obligated on the line, in the linebacker core and just let him watch you and follow you the entire game. Um, so I got some major concerns for Hurts, but the player that I'm highest on as far as the Eagles wide receiver core this year is actually Devontae Smith. I think Devontae Smith's going to break his 1K yards this year. He almost broke it last year. Um, I think AJB might get utilized more than like a Debo did, you know, give it to him in space. He's a big running guy. Let him run the ball, but we signed him for a four year big time contract, but is he going to be happy only seeing four or five targets a game from Jalen hurts? Because that's not his tendencies to pepper a wide receiver, 10, 11, 12 times a game. It's just not, he, I don't think he's confident in his arm. And I've seen what I've seen. 
and the tape is out for a full year. So all, every defense that plays this this year is going to spy Jalen and make him beat us with his arm. So that's where my concern is as an Eagles fan. Yeah, that totally, totally makes sense. And we saw that happen with um, all the kid from Arizona. His name is based on Murray. Guy started yeah. to spy him a little bit. He struggled a little bit. Um, and mm-hmm. Hurts is very inaccurate. That's why I had him low in my draft rankings a couple of years ago. Um, you know, my two already said it, Jamar Chase. Um just yeah. the connection he had with Burrow. I mean, both the old mans are out smoking cig- cigars outside the Super Bowl. <laughs> and like, love it, love it. The one thing that kind of stood out to me last year, and I'm going to ask you this question, it's going to go back to the Dolphins. Um, it's kind of like whoever they had that personal connection with, that's who the quarterbacks kind of, kind of, kind of threw to. And like we saw that uh, Burrow had that connection with Chase, looked to Chase the most. Do you think? Do you see a scenario where Tua played with Waddle at Bama, where Tua looks to Waddle more and Hill gets a little frustrated? I lost you for a second. Can oh. you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Do you do you see a scenario where um I was talking about how quarterbacks tend to look toward who they're familiar with? Mm-hmm. Um, do you see a scenario when we saw that with Chase and Burrow last year, Waddle and Tua last year. Do you see a scenario in Miami where Tua just looks to Waddle so much, Hill gets frustrated? Yes and no. I mean, the players in the NFL that have the biggest egos by far are wide receivers. You know, like I said, when they're not getting targeted, they they do, they get unhappy. They do. You know, you start seeing them on the sidelines, screaming, being disgruntled. Um, But then again, like I said, you know, if the quarterback is smart, and you got a guy like Devontae Adams. You got a guy like Tyreek Hill. I mean, if you're not passing it to him, I think they have every right to kind of get upset at you. Like, come on, man. You know, they just paid me $25, $30 million to come over here to help you. Throw me the ball. Like, let's win some games. It's, it's not about one man. So I don't think their argument is all about me, 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 outside of their egos. I think it's like, hey, let's win some dang football games. Like, I'm here to win a Super Bowl. Some guys, you would argue this year, it being more about money with the way these contracts are getting paid out. Um, but no, I mean, if they're, if they're not getting fed, that's, that's, I don't, I don't like that. Like, I want to see the passes. That's what makes the NFL exciting. Those big aired out passes, you know, Tyree kill does work in the, you know, in the slot takes it to the house. You need to get, you need to get the ball in the playmakers on your team's hands to win games and have a chance at winning games. I mean, you're going to go against the bills twice a year now. Yeah. You got to do, you got to do something. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, you know, as a Bills fan, I guarantee I got a buddy, Swami Ben. He's not happy about that. You know, mm-hmm. he was more concerned about playing the Chiefs because the Chargers made defensive moves to literally go J.C. Jackson on, you know, Hill. You know, they brought in they, – they, they they did their defense improvements before yeah, they knew they Hill was going to be Allen to play the nickel. They got a Strante Samuel. Yep. Yeah, they and got- they were going to have it paired. Yeah, Hill, Juju. Kelsey, yeah. they, they were planning on playing that team straight up man-to-man. Yeah. You know, that's what they were planning on doing. And then Hill gets traded. So yeah. the Chargers are, are, are sitting pretty right now, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they really are. Um, number one, we obviously we both have Cooper Cup. Tell me why you have Cup number one. Man, what he did was 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 imp- in- impressive. You know, not only is he an amazing wide receiver with some – amazing footwork his iq his player iq is just 
bar none, one of the best I've ever seen. I don't know if you've heard his post-game interviews, but when you heard him talking to the reporters and how he knew just what to do, the way the guys were set up in the defense, the way he saw their feet backpedaling. Ah, I mean, we all saw that championship game against the against the Bucks and Tom Brady, how you thought they were out of it. Brady came back, Stafford came back. Brady came back, Stafford came back. But that last pass where Cup was just wide open. Yeah. I it's, mean. He's it, just insane. And then you just have, yeah. you think about it like this. His production can decrease, and it's unrealistic to think what he got. He's going to get what he got last year. Yep. Decreases by 30%. He's still number one. He's 307.65. You know yeah, what I mean? Scored, yeah. He that's, scored 100 more points than the next closest wide receiver to yeah. him. That's that, So that's a solid point. He, he could take his production down by 25 30%, and he still would have been number one. Now, mind you, there was an extra week this year. That's why, you know, Calvin Johnson kind of came out. And, oh, you know. So, but, man, what he did was, was record-setting. Just, just, With just, or without the extra week. Absolutely, it, absolutely absurd. I, um, I've never seen anything like it, man. I'm, I'm, and, and they, you talked about connection. They have the best connection in, in the NFL. They, and that's oh, by, none. by far. No, yeah. So we both have Cup at number one. We're going to go to our three guys that are outside the top ten that we're looking to target. Um, who's your first one? Brandon Cooks. I got Brandon Cooks, too. Love Brandon Cooks. Um, 28% target share, 40% of the air yards. Um, you know, is going to have a positive green script most most of the time. So I have Brandon Cooks as one of mine I love to target, too. I did a mock draft yesterday, and I got Cooks in the third round. That's just absurd to me how I'm able to get him in the third round. So yeah. I like and Cooks. Dude, he's, he's, actually, he's actually falling a lot further back than that. <laughs> just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, sometimes yeah. I just sit back. I, I don't understand why Nick Chubb's falling. I don't understand why Brandon Cooks is falling. It's just like, if I can get, if they just think about it. I don't understand it either. Yeah, it's just. You know, I think think so many fantasy football players really focus on this upside thing. I said it the other night on a live stream, my buddy Piggyback Picks, Flo Joe. You know, me and Wishlist have talked. I know you guys did the running back rankings. And being a football player, nothing collegially, but I was a hell of a football player just growing up. Um, To see the game from the inside out, not the outside in playing it your whole life you have a different you have a different point of view and when you have a runner all you got to do is exist between hiking the ball and handing it off you know Nick Chubb has arguably the best running back stats of almost any running back up there with Adrian Peterson I looked at the other day he's the only he's, he's the fourth running back ever to do with seven eight man stack boxes other than Adrian Peterson, other than OJ Simpson, other than fellow Brown, Jim Brown, averaging five yards a carry, a minimum 100 attempts in five games. That's, what he does, he's never had Deshaun Watson as a quarterback, so that even that that shouldn't even be you know relevant. And I know we're talking wide receivers here, but I don't understand. I think people draft too much for this upside. I don't want to take a player based off his upside. I want to take what I know he's going to give me week in and week out. I and want that's to- how you. I want, I want consistency. That's yeah. how you win your games. I, that's why I've always not liked Amari Cooper. You know, guy gives me 125, 125 yards and two touchdowns on 10 catches one week, gives me two catches for 13 yards the next week. He's Don't a, like him at all. Don't yeah. like him at all. Never have. 
you want somebody that's going to just have that consistent average baseline per week. And yeah. And I want to, especially a running back. I want a running back who doesn't need to rely on receptions. Yep. Yep. And that's what cooks is. Cooks is just that baseline guy. I mean, we're going to look up at the end of the season. He's going to be a top 15 guy. Um, Davis Mills had a better deep ball percentage than Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes last year. Davis Mills is very underrated. I think he's going to come out this year. He had a better opportunity. He had in, in less games. He had a better quarterback percentage than Zach Wilson, better than Trevor Lawrence. Davis Mills is a very good quarterback, and he's not getting enough credit this year going second year in. So I think the Houston's are going to be underrated, um, but they're going to they're going to have a they're going to be fun to watch too. I'm I'm excited to watch Brandon Cooks and Davis Mills connect all year long. Yeah, I like the Texans a lot. Um, I do. Fun. I'll, I asked everyone this on for the first time. My little office space right here. I got three jerseys autographed hanging up on the wall. Can you guess what the three are? Brandon Cooks, Brandon Cooks, Brandon Cooks. Uh, no, Davis Mills, <laughs> no Matt, way. Matt Stafford, and Vita Vera. Those are the three Ooh, jerseys I have autographed. I like it. So, I know, love if it. you see this, this is my me and my wife's room. So she's got her fancy little deer picture for hanging out okay. there. But we're going to start. This is going to be my podcast kind of segment room so we're going to hang a hook so where when i'm on i can hang one of my jonathan taylor jerseys up or my okay. michael vick jerseys up and then when she's back in here because this is our guest room she okay. can come back in and, and and beautify and aesthetically please the girls or friends that we have stay over and i gotta take my football stuff down okay right. <laughs> uh, but uh no i love davis mills this year i think he's vastly underrated um big, i think big time sneaky. i think the texans Texans are sneaky good this year. Um, Lovey yeah. Smith is just kind of. I, I, I like Damian Pierce as probably the the best running back. Yeah, has kind of overachieved everywhere he's gone. Who's the next guy who's you're kind of high on that most people aren't? Uh-oh. Um, my next guy that I'm high on, that is DJ Moore. When you're just kind of looking at DJ Moore, he has the second most targets the last three season combined. Mm-hmm. 12th in fantasy points and second in yards with absolutely zero quarterback play. Uh, They're bringing in Mayfield. Who's going to, I'm not a Mayfield guy, but he's a step up from what he's had in the past. And also Mayfield strikes me as a petty guy. And you have Robbie Anderson saying all that stuff about how Darnold was the QB and everything. I think Moore is going to get peppered with more targets. So that's why my second kind of sleeper guy, I'm looking at targets, DJ Moore. Who's your second guy? You know, you and I are hitting the nail on the head here. DJ Moore is also my second target. Um, he's the only wide receiver right now in the last three years to have 1,200 yards from scrimmage yeah. three years in a row. Three three years in a row. His touchdown rate can go up, of course. It need, it, I'm hoping it goes up. That's where he's kind of lacking. But like I said, again, 1,200 yards as my wide receiver two, most likely. You can, you can take 1,200 yards as your wide receiver one. Um, he's also – speed demon like no other you can yeah. put him and set him up anywhere and the most amazing thing about him right now he's going at the 5.01 his adp is at 5.01 where you got guys like you can get him an entire two rounds later than michael Pittman. i think 3.04 yeah keenan allen i know keenan allen's inside of both of our top tens but keenan allen's going at like 2.09 um there's some players man that are just an entire two round De- Deontay Johnson's at 3.06. I take DJ Moore over Deontay Johnson every oh, day of the week, every yeah. day of the week. And you're getting, you're able to get him an entire two rounds later. 
Yep. So that's another reason why I just love him because his value is – he's probably the best wide receiver value you can get right now. Uh, who's the last guy that's kind of a sleeper guy outside your top ten you're looking to target? Uh, Adam Thielen. Going back to what you said about, um, you know, they're going to try to pass the ball more. Adam Thielen was a number seven wide receiver through week 12 last year. And then yeah. he got hurt in week 13. I think one of the I think first or second play of the game he went out. But he was the number seven wide receiver for 12 weeks. Yeah. So now he's back. He's got Jeff. Like I said, once again, just like my argument with the Raiders, you know, you got Thielen and Jefferson. You can't double either one. Thielen's a monster red zone, red zone target for Kirk Cousins. Always has been. Um, and, yeah, he's old. He's, he's 31. But he's going to do work. He's going to do work. Him and Jefferson both are going to do work. And Thielen's, man, all the way back into the sixth, seventh round. Yeah. Yeah, he's getting overlooked a lot. Um, my guy, and it's kind of crazy how, like, our perceptions of people can change. Last mm-hmm. year, all I heard was Rondell Moore, Rondell Moore, Rondell Moore. It seems like no one's talking Rondell Moore. I'll take I'll, – I'll target him. He's going mm-hmm. off, like, in the 10th, 11th round. Yep. Um, you know, he's going to start the season in this slot. Uh, you know, the Cardinals, they used second-round draft capital on him. So you're not just going to use second-round draft capital on a guy and not use him. Mm-hmm. I personally don't think Hollywood Brown's that good of a fit for the offense. He's already, he's, he's already hurt. Yeah. Um, and then I was just kind of looking at the target distribution and the third, the wide receiver one, less targets compared to the NFL average wide receiver two, less targets compared to the wide receiver average, to the NFL average, excuse me. But in the Kingsbury offense, wide receiver three and four, they had a higher targets per game than the rest of the NFL. So if more in the slot, I think, I think low risk, high reward, we don't know what's going on with D hop D hops at that age where people where production starts dr- dropping. I'll take a gamble 12th round Rondo Moore. Why not? You know, same player as that was getting all the hype last year. So I'll gamble with him. Um, yeah. Uh, I agree with that. I, I think Rondell Moore and uh, one of my other buddies I do work with fantasy football dome. He's a young kid. He's across the pond. He's a big fantasy football fan. He's a giants fan lives over there in London but loves the NFL. You know, he's one of those kids that got kind of indoctrinated because the NFL made that jump across the pond and started having games over there. So he's become a huge American football fan. And him and I both talk about how Rondell Moore is going to have, I think, possibly kind of a Jalen Waddle-type season from last year. Rondell Moore is a huge sleeper. And the fact that you're able to get him in those double-digit rounds, yeah, man, you can't you can't beat that. No D-hop. Marquise Brown's already hurt. Uh yeah, I, I, I nab Rondell Moore every chance I get if he falls to me in the 11th round, 12th round. <clears throat> now we need to look at the players we're looking to fade. Um, mm-hmm. Who's the first wide receiver that you're looking to fade? Outside the top 10? Uh, yeah, outside. Who's just someone like – even like this uh, guy's board, there's no way you're going to draft him. Uh, Deontay Johnson. I'm going to I'm gonna fade Deontay Johnson. A lot of unknowns right now. Uh, now – Trubis, Trubisky could come out on fire. You know, he just got done sitting behind J.A. Who knows what he learned? Who knows what he picked up? If the guy comes out on fire, I don't think we see Kenny Pickett. You know, Kenny Pickett had what he was the number one quarterback to go out and draft this year. So they invested tons of draft capital in him. But say Trubisky – so Trubisky doesn't bode well for any wide receiver for me, personally. Not, not Claypool, not Deontay, not George Pickens. If he does well, Pickett doesn't come in, right? Yeah. Let's say Pickett does come in. 
in the history of the NFL, the number one, the number two wide receiver on the team has a rookie quarterback thrown to him under 1K yards every year. So I'm not seeing even almost 1K yard seasons from either Claypool or Deontay Johnson. If Trubisky, if Trubisky stays in the game, it's going to affect the entire offense as well. I mean, he's a tuck and run kind of guy. That's why where Najee lived on 74 receptions last year, Najee's receptions are going to go down by probably 20, 25. Mitchell's not going to – his tendencies aren't to, hey, let me let me run back and drop it off to my running back. He's going to tuck it and run. That's his tendency. That's what he does. So I'm kind of fading the entire Pittsburgh Steelers offense this year. Um, not that I won't take Najee if he falls to me, you know, in the back of the first or something, or even – Ninth, tenth overall, I'll take him. His he he's got that volume, and volume's important in fantasy football. Uh, but yeah, I'm fading Deontay Johnson. Once again, just like Debo, it was his first real good successful year last year. He he's been he was one of my most frustrating wide receivers the last two three years because the week I wouldn't start him, he'd blow up. The week I'd start him, he'd get injured. Start him again the next week, do nothing. Sit him again the following week, blow up. I, I hated putting him – I really hated putting him in my lineup every week. Um, and then all of a sudden he has a fantastic year last year. I didn't even draft him because of my recency bias. So I'm going to fade Deontay Johnson this year. Yeah, I'm fading Deontay Johnson um, this year as well. To piggyback a point that you made earlier, Big Ben was the quarterback, older quarterbacks, dumping it down a lot. Big Ben, average depth of the card, worse than the NFL, 6.8. Deontay Johnson yeah. lived in that underneath system. Uh, offensive coordinator Matt Canada, he likes to do what they did in Maryland: pistol RPOs, trying to chuck it downfield a little bit, extend the field. And that's not Deontay Johnson's role. Deontay Johnson lined up where Antonio Brown lined up, hence all the targets from Big Ben. And also, if we just kind of look at the Steelers' draft picks, they used one on George Pickens and one on Kelvin Austin the third. Why are you drafting wide receivers? Johnson's had the drop drop issues as well. So I'm totally fading Deontay Johnson. You mentioned um, how you're fading every Steelers. I actually took a bet he wouldn't even, what was it? Deontay Johnson wouldn't have over 1,000 yards. I really like that bet. Totally fading Deontay this year. Who's the next guy you're fading? Well, I really looked hard to find an, an outside top 10. But yeah. I, I like a lot of value in the outside the top 10 wide okay. receivers this year. Um I'm probably going to go – this guy's going to be inside the top 10 because he's teetering right there on my top 10. But I'm going to fade I'm, I'm going to fade C.D. Lamb this year. You know, like I said, I, I just didn't see the connection I needed to see. Um, I just – the way he's going to be double teamed now with Gallup announcing he's probably not going to be ready for the beginning of the NFL season. I just – I didn't see any connection. The guys that we are high on, Jefferson, Cup. Jamar Chase, we talked about how they have an amazing connection with their quarterback. He doesn't have a great connection with Dak. And I don't know if the offseason has improved that much. Um, it's going to get doubled. I, a lot of unknowns. I, I, I know everybody has C.D. Lamb so high. Um, I just don't. I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it at all. So I'm going to fade C.D. Lamb. I, I probably won't have C.D. Lamb on any of my teams this year. Yeah, I'm not a big C.D. Lamb guy. Um, next one for me. And this pains me because I'm a Lions fan. St. Brown. I'm just not going to do it. I just kind of looked at it when Hawk was out. He averaged 11 targets per game. When Hawk was healthy, he only averaged 5.9 targets per game. Offense only had 37 abandoned targets going in this year. You bring in DJ Shark. 
you're bringing in Williamson, the kid from Bama. Yeah. I just like, you know, you and I were talking about it, like, I think a, a week, maybe two weeks ago, there's just so many mouths to feed in that Lions offense yeah. this year. And I think yeah. Brown's going to be the guy that kind of takes the hit a little bit. I, I think they're all going to take a hit. Let's be honest. They're all going to take a yeah. hit. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to fade him. Who's the, uh, who's the last guy you're going to fade? I'm going to double down on this and I'm going to say both Seattle wide receivers, <laughs> both Lockett and Metcalf, you know, in, in the realm of fantasy football, a bad team doesn't necessarily translate to a running back having bad production in real life. Yes. Now where it does translate when you have a quarterback like Drew Locke throwing you the ball, it does affect the wide receivers. Um, they're going to still be a run-heavy team. Rashad Penny, in my opinion, is a massive fluke of what happened in those four or five games last season at the end. He, the guy had three years to become some something, and all of a sudden, at the end of the last – nothing. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, four of the five games he played, he literally – him and Amon Ra, they, they, they both want people their – they want people their leagues. It's crazy. That's why it goes to show you how, how important the waiver wire really is. But um, – I'm not seeing good things for either out of wide receiver this year with Drew Locke under center. Um, you know, people are thinking maybe it could be Geno Smith, either or. I want nothing to do with either yeah. of them. I just don't. Um, I like Kenneth Walker more than anything. I can't. I think Kenneth Walker is in an amazing spot to succeed this year. Um, he'll get the touches. I think. I think the offense is going to see that Rashad Penny just is going to revert back to everything he's been the last two and a half years. So I'm, I'm going to fade. Seattle as much as I can, but I'm getting Kenneth Walker everywhere I can because, like I said, bad football, bad offenses don't really correlate to fantasy value for a running back. Yep. Now, if a team's playing behind and they have a half-decent quarterback, sure, garbage time. They're going to have to be trying to catch up. But you got Drew Locke, man. So I- I'm not seeing good things for either wide receiver on Seattle. Um. I agree with you 100%. I think both those guys are going to take a hit. Um, excuse me. My last guy I am going to fade is Darnell Mooney. Um, a, I'm just kind of getting this Juju Smith-Juicer vibe from him. Um, you know, just kind of like he got production because teams were focusing on A-Rob last year. Now he's going to be the focal point of the production. He's a focal point of defenses. Excuse me. You're going to get – Cornerback ones guarding you throughout the game. Coverage is designed to stop you. Plus, Bears offensive line is a complete and utter train wreck. God only knows how much time Fields is going to have running the ball there. Yeah. Excuse me, to throw. And also, he's listed at 5'10". Okay. I, I live in the Chicago suburbs. I live in the suburb right next to where the Bears training facility is. So I see these guys all the time. I saw Mooney in the grocery store the other day. I'm 6'2". And I was towering over him. And he's listed at 5'10". There is no way he is 5'10". So you're telling me I'll give him 5'8". A 5'8 wide receiver is going to be – you know what I mean? He's just too small. I don't think he's going to be able to create space. I loved him coming out of school. But as a wide receiver one, the focal point of the offense, I just don't – I just don't see it. You know what I mean? I just don't see it. And I'll be honest, the only person that bears offense I'm interested in David Montgomery, you know, I just, yeah. he's, you know, just like consistent Nick. I want to thank you for taking time out of your Saturday to come in and record it. 
and record with me for the fantasy football rankings. Why don't you tell everyone any content you have coming out or any streams you have coming out, any live stuff you have coming out. All right. So uh, via my affiliates, amazing stuff going on through the fantasy football network. Um, we're going to be launching an app here soon, a website here soon. Where we're trying to funnel our followers onto this app. It's going to have rankings. It's going to have channels with Smitty, the fantasy football you know, fantasy football show. It's going to have fantasy couch. Some of the biggest names that you know in fantasy football, as far as the biggest pages on Instagram, fantasy analysts, not only are you going to be able to get write-ups and articles, you're going to be able to connect with each of us. That's going to be launching on August 1st, and you guys are not going to want to miss it. Um, I'm also going to be doing a new show this upcoming season with them, where it's going to be uh, kind of like a, with me becoming a new father, daddies in football and how the struggle of being a new dad impacts our ability to set all our fantasy football lineups every Sunday <laughs> in the middle of trying to change some diapers. A um, lot, a lot of good things to come. Of course, I'm going to keep posting my wide receiver, wide receiver rankings this next couple of weeks, along with my quarterback rankings. Um, and I'm just going to keep doing my ball guy booms, my ball guy bust, my ball guy breakouts. And I appreciate you saying that I got some great imagery. Um, you know, when I got into this three years ago, it was kind of recommended to me by my wife because she knew I had a passion for football. And this is going on my 20th year playing fantasy football. I started in 2002, 2003 season where my first draft pick was Sean Alexander. Um, and I kind of ran all the way to the championship. So it kind of fish hooked to me, if you will. But yeah, this is my 20th year. Um, and I've come a long way because I was never very technologically inclined and I'm kind of self-taught and I've taught myself everything I know. So I appreciate uh, any support, any following. I, I love to engage with my fans. I'm not one of those guys that, get asked questions in my dms i pride myself on always always answering to the best of my ability so um of course we're going to do a lot of more lives coming up try to start sits on sunday mornings before the games and i know as the season kicks off it can be hard to keep up but like i said i try to pride myself on answering the 100 dms i get every sunday morning you know i i'm having my cup of joe and trying to answer you guys. So, um, Eric, I really appreciate you having me on today, man. It was a blast. I, I want to do it again with you in the near future. So you just let me know what you want to, you got up cooking yourself and uh, we'll, we'll make a time brother. Sounds good. Thanks for coming on. Make sure you give Nick a follow at fantasy football ball guy on Instagram and Twitter and at F football guy on the Twitter. Yep. We'll talk soon. My friend, we are at the time of the podcast where the man, the myth, the legend, the GOAT, CFL Jim, comes on, tells you what to lay down. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. I just saw an incredible, insane pick in the Winnipeg-Montreal game happening right now as we're recording. You know what? Ballers make baller plays. And number 24 just made a baller play. That was a fucking baller play. <laughs> that was a baller play right there, what he just did. And this is a, I'll tell you what, this is a sneaky little good game, dude. This is a great game. Watching this in contrast to the Hall of Fame game is kind of funny. I mean, is it because you bet the Jaguars in the Hall of Fame game? or? I mean, part of it. I, I have the under, too. I have the under, too. See, I only did the first half under, which is going to lose. No, I did the full game. Under 30 and a half. Yeah, I did the first half. So I, I got it at 16, grinding that out right now. Um, So we have an interesting week of games here coming up. Very interesting week. Been a lot of line movement all over the board. Um, your week eight, what what are what are two what are the two biggest things that stood out of you stood out to you during week eight? 
Um, I mean, Ottawa, of course, getting their first win. Massive, massive for the Red Blacks. They need that. Uh, I'm excited to see if that creates some momentum for them or if that was kind of a flash in the pan because this Toronto team is nothing but chaos and we can never predict what the Argonauts do from one week to another. Also, uh, the Rough Riders are not as good as we thought they were, especially that offensive line has a lot of issues. Uh, Cody Fajardo, ever since his knee just got absolutely mangled, hasn't been able to do that scrambling that he is so known for, and it just really has hurt this Rough Riders offense. And in turn, because the offense is so bad, the defense isn't as good as you'd want it to be either. Now, my question to you is this. Rough Riders obviously don't have a game this week. Why did they just not send him out one more week? That way he gets three weeks off. Um, specifically because it's against BC, and that was a very important game. Even as early on in the season as we are, uh, that's a super important game for standings in the West. Uh, it's, you're basically playing uh, for third place behind okay. Calgary and Winnipeg. You're, you're, you're playing to, to kind of be in that top spot. And the fact that BC has the leg up on them now means a lot going forward. Okay. All right. So now let's um let's pull up the week nine odds. We got uh Winnipeg and Montreal going at it right now. Uh these are front we're using Bovada. You know what uh, Jim and I kind of get around a little bit. We go from book to book. We switch it up. You know, we like we like to keep uh we like to keep you guys guessing as to like, you know, which line which book are we gonna use? Um so game number one, which is Manana. We have the Stampeders going up against the Red Blacks. Uh, Red Blacks getting four and a half over under. Of, no, sorry. Money line of plus 175 over under a 50. Now, if you watched, um, I think that was a little bit lower earlier in the day, if I'm mistaken. Uh, yeah, yesterday, I believe this was at uh, 48 and a half, 49. Uh, the spread, you'll notice also, uh, yesterday was five and a half. Minus five and a half for the Calgary Stampeders. So I know I've been on the the Red Blacks uh, plus five and a half. It seems to be around their number for a lot of their games. But four and a half makes it way tougher for me. Now, hypothetically, you know, I'm going to look at our friends over at BetStamp. Those who don't know, BetStamp is a phenomenal app where you can Basically, shop around for lines. I am pulling them up right now. The, you know what? It's four and a half across the board. It's a go. It is a full day move. Four, four and a half across the board. So, for those that didn't watch Spring Fever earlier in the day, uh, points bet five. Okay. Okay. So, what? Okay. So, would you do a five? What would you do here in this situation? If I'm seeing a four and a half, I don't know if I feel like touching that. Five and a half felt good. Four and a half, I still lean Ottawa. I still would lean Red Blacks to keep it close. I think they can keep it within three. I think my favorite play, though, is probably the under 50. Okay, why is that? Both teams have all right to decent quarterbacks and offenses in general, but both teams have really good defenses. Even like Ottawa's defensive front is amazing. They can create a lot of pressure. And I think Bo Levi Mitchell's not that great of a quarterback. And we've seen teams like Calgary and Ottawa specifically, they like to kick field goals more often than not. They end up, the ending of their drives has resulted in field goals too many times. It's just a continuation of, 
of, of, of a pattern you see with these teams. And I, it just doesn't lend itself to points in my mind. I, the one thing that the CFL has taught me is no lead is safe. If you have a chance to get seven, you got to get seven. You can't be kicking threes. You can't be kicking threes at all. And I believe it was the Stampeders when they played the um, Blue Bombers last week. They just kept on getting threes. You know what Both I mean? Both times. Like, Both times they played the Bombers, they kept kicking threes. And I was like, you know what? If I'm Calgary, I'm just going to start going for it on third down more often. I'm going to start risking it. You got to play risky against those kinds of teams. You got to risk it to win the biscuit. For real. <laughs> um, so I'm only on the Redbacks here. I got him at five. I would actually still play the four and a half. I'm not going to touch the money line, though. I'm not touching that money line. Um, Next play, we're going with a team that's kind of looking a lot better and one team that you and I aren't that high on. We got the Hamilton Ticats against the Toronto Argonauts. The line is the Argonauts are laying two. Uh, Tiger Cats are plus 110 on the money line over under a 45. What say you, my friend? Ticats money line. Boom. Bucket. That's my game. Love it. That's your game? You like that? You're digging it? I like it? that a lot. I'm very high on Dane Evans. I think he's looking better and better these last couple weeks. This Ticats defense is legit. I have no idea what to think of Toronto. This game could go over. It could go under. I could see it going a whole bunch of different ways, but I see the Ticats winning. I like the Ticats here. I'm on the plus, plus 110 as well. Um, I'm not going to touch the over under at no, all. I'm not, I'm, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pull. Now, we no talked about this like a couple weeks ago with these, I don't want to say funky scores is like, what's like, cause everyone knows an NFL three is like the magic number. Three is like, like you don't see three too often on the CFL in CFL. Like what's the key number? is two the key number because like you can get one for the punt. Like what's the key number in the CFL? Two is a good key number. I don't know specifically why, but you see a lot of five and a half. You see a lot of five, five and a half uh, spreads. You don't usually see like a touchdown worth. You usually don't see seven. It's usually around like a three, three and a half. Mm-hmm. Two is not bad just because of the rouge, just because of the, the being able to score like a single point. So, all right, I'll, I'm, I'm going to take the Tiger Cats here. I just, I just thought that's something I've asked because of the one and everything. Um, now the next game, we got BC biggest biggest number of the biggest number of the week, a ten money line three seventy five for the Elks, over under fifty one and a half. Montreal just got a big first down two on a challenge play. Love to see it. Love to see it. Um, what say you here, my friend? Man, so the Elks are playing hurt. They're playing. Fierce, though. They're playing competitive. BC looked great last week. I think 10 is too much. I think people are seeing what happened last time these teams played and looking too much into that. Because BC absolutely throttled Edmonton the last time these two teams got together. And I think Edmonton's a way different team than they were week two. I think 10 is way too many, too. I'm definitely going to take the 10. That's too many points. Do we take the 375? I do not touch the money line. Because BC was kind of that team. Like, neither one, like, neither you and I were that big on them. Okay. At the preseason, I'm all over BC now. That offense is probably the best offense in the league. 
So Nathan Rourke is legit. You're 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 so your your team your team Lions your team BC. Uh, dude, they're number two in the West right now. They're uh-huh. good. Oh, the kid, the guy from Montreal just dropped the pass. God damn it. Um, so BC is playing. Who do they? Are they coming off a bye? They're coming off a bye. No, they're coming off a win. They beat the coming Rough off a big win off the Rough Riders. Playing the Elks at home, have the Stampeders on deck. Could this be like a letdown spot though? Maybe it's a very it's a good sandwich for Edmonton to get BC, but I just I see. I could see BC kind of having a letdown game, which makes me like maybe think under, but I just think Edmonton keeps it close. I like the plus 10 quite a bit. I'll, I'll take the plus 10 as well. Any action on the over under? Small lean on the over probably. I think the fact that Edmonton is better this time around than they were last time leans me to the over because I think they can kind of push uh, the Lions a little bit. But that's a tough one. I think my favorite one's probably the uh, the under on that Ottawa Calgary game for totals. So my parlay of the little week is going to be boom, boom, boom. Plays out plus six sixty five. Uh, Tiger Cats plus the one ten. Redbacks plus four and a half. Elks plus ten. What is your parlay of the week, Jimbo? Mine is basically the same as yours. Instead of the the red blacks plus four and a half, I just take the under. I think it's the same odds probably. Yep. Same exact odds. So Jim's parlay of the week is under 50 points in the Stampeders Redbacks. Tiger Cats plus 110 and plus 10 for the Elks. Jimbo. What do you have coming on? Are we going to see the return of the cooking show this week? What's the... I think so. So I'm going to go. I'm going to run a test tonight to see how the logistics work uh, out okay. by the shop where I'm grilling, and uh, hopefully we'll see a cooking show tomorrow. If I don't, if it's not grilling, if I can't get the logistics and the internet to work out there, I'm going to do a cooking show regardless, and I'm just going to make steak. I'm going to make a steak dinner. There you go. There you go. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, guys and girls, make sure you give the goat. XFL Gym, a follow on all social media at XFL Gym. And we will have the Big 12 college football preview coming out on BTV this Monday. So set those reminders. We'll talk soon, my friend. So we have a big day in horse racing at Louisiana Downs this weekend. And who better to come on and talk it over than Gino at It's Me, Gino B on Twitter. How are you doing today, my man? Doing well, buddy. Thanks so much for uh, talking some Louisiana with us. I'm actually uh, this year working with Louisiana. So I do the broadcast before and after the races. If you ever watch the feed or if you're ever like at the sports book playing, you'll see my picks come up there. And I'm the one that kind of sets up the five minutes before, uh, you know, and after each race kind of talks about everything. So what's pretty cool. I've watched every race throughout the meet at Louisiana so far this year. I've probably bet on a pretty much pretty close to all of them. And uh, this is by far the biggest day. And what's cool is not only are some of the best horses running the best Louisiana bred horses, but the betting, the, the fields races two through seven are all stakes races. So there's six of them. Every one of those has at least a field of eight between eight and 12. So the pick fours, fives, six, those are going to be really tough and they're going to pay really, really well. 
Yeah, which is good, which is great. And isn't their takeout a little bit lower? It's lower. They moved their takeout lower this year. So the pick four and the pick five is 15%. So uh, pick five starts in race three. Pick four starts in race four. Uh, They have a jackpot for the pick six. If you like to play those, that's a 20 cent base. You can play that in uh, in race number two. Is that a mandatory since this is their big day, is that a mandatory payout? Not yet. Not yet. They're going to keep it building because I think it's still got a little while to go before it'll – it's up to about 15,000 or so, but we'll have it build uh, a little bit bigger before they put the mandatory up. But there's a pick five, small pick five carryover, so there will be an extra, I think, 3,500, 3,000 plus in the pick five pool along with that low takeout, and that will be all stakes races. So, yeah, in the six stakes, 60 horses total. Um, which uh, that's, that's going to be really fun for us as, as really betters. Yeah, that's really good. As someone, I live in the Chicagoland area. I miss Arlington. I miss those days. I miss right? the, million those days. big so, turf races like yeah. that where there were 10, 11 horses. Because even now when we see good racing at Saratoga or Belmont or Santa Anita or Del Mar, the field sizes still will be small in a lot of times, five, six, seven horse field. So it's cool to see a big day and uh, a good opportunity for us to make some money too. And that's key. I'm not going to come here and just preview the day without giving us a couple horses that we can bet on. Right. Oh yeah. You got to get that money. You got to get Absolutely. some money. Um, So the first race we're going to go to is race four. Who do you like yep. in race four? Yep. Important race because this one kicks off the pick four. A lot of people love to play the pick four. They have a 50 cent base that you can play. So this field is a sprint race. It's for Phillies and mares. They have a field of 11 sprinting six furlongs, and there are a ton of quick horses in here. But I want to mention two for people that play the pick fours, or if you're looking to maybe play this race individually, we can be we can monitor the prices on them and maybe get an idea. Uh, the two horses to the outside, both the number 10 and the number 11. First up, the 10 is Drop Dead Sexy. Your trainer of this horse is Shane Wilson. He's the leading trainer. I had an interview with him a few weeks ago. This guy is sharp. You know, when you hear a coach talk, if you're a fan yeah, of football or basketball, you can just tell instantly within the first few oh, seconds. He's the opposite of Mike McCarthy. Exactly. You okay. can tell this guy totally opposite of McCarthy. He runs a tight ship. He's he's paying attention to everything. And they're always looking for ways that they can maybe fix horses or figure things out and get the best out of them. Well, drop that sexy, you'll notice – He had a bad start three races back on May the 14th. And since then, he has had two monster wins. I think the real key with her, she's a three-year-old filly, is that she is very fast, but she can go really fast and clear the field. She just kind of has to get out in front of everybody. She doesn't really do as well if she's behind or if she has to deal with some other pressure. She can go fast and get out front. So if she breaks well, and she gets a little bit of clearance on this field, she could very easily uh, steal this race. She's 12 to one on the morning line. She's won twice here at Louisiana Downs. She has the leading trainer and the second leading rider. She's won two races in a row. And if you're just looking at her speed figures, they're all really comparable to what it would take to win this race. So she is right there with a, a good start and just hoping that she doesn't get a ton of other pressure on the front end. So what is your point where you won't like if it dips down to what five to one six, six to five one. six my line for her is six and she's 12 so that it's just like okay. anything with any number if you like a horse or if you look at a horse and they're five to one and you think they should be five to one i'm probably not going to go get in line to bet them right we're we're as betters looking for um 
any anything that's a little bit off, any numbers that we feel we have a, an advantage of. So I've got her in this wide open race, like a six to one shot, really like five, six to one. If she's anything in that range or over, I think she's worthy of a win wager. If you're playing any sort of pick fours or pick fives like that, make sure to throw her in because if she's on the lead, she's going to make you really nervous if you yeah. don't have her. Um, then right to her outside, there's uh, the 11 strong beauty she can sit a little bit, and that may put her in a perfect spot. She has enough speed where she can stay within striking range and then sit third or fourth. Her last race, she finished fourth. She was behind a couple of the same horses in this race. She had a, a little bit of a, a trouble trip. She drew the inside. So she was on the rail last time. Now she's on the way outside. When you draw the inside, you're, you're kind of forced. You're at the mercy of what everybody else is doing. And so if a couple other horses are also quick, you are forced to go fast or then take back. Then you're sort of in traffic. When you're on the outside, you can just kind of sit off of horses and it's a little more uh, clear. You you actually dictate the way you want to run your race. Yeah. I think it's a great spot for her. She's been in five stakes races overall before. Uh, she actually won this race last year. Um, back in August of 2021 when she kind of sat the trip that I'm hoping she's going to sit in here. And if you just put a line through her turf race overall, she has excellent form. She's won both of her starts at Louisiana. I think she's in a great spot. So I'm definitely going to be using the 10 and 11, a lot of exotics in the pick fours and fives. Uh, I probably look to bet the, the 10 drop that sexy to win a little more strong beauties line for me was like seven to two. If, if she's over that, I think that's fair value if you're looking to play her, but they're both must uses. I may play some exactas with the two of them also, but just horses that I'll be using all over the place. So would you uh, box those in exactas? Yeah, in, the, in that or? case, I would box them yeah. because I do think, to me, they're both similar like A-type horses. I think for me, they're both on my top tier. So I don't I don't mind boxing them. Um, I, once I play exactos or tries with multiple horses underneath, I would start not boxing them and I would pick maybe one horse to use on top or play them a little. But in this case, with two horses like this in a wide open race, I don't mind boxing the two of them because I do feel like they're both pretty equal um, in their yeah. chances of winning. Um, And then you also liked some horses in race seven. Yeah. The, uh, the sprint. Yep. Let's try to uh, get to the closeout race. So how would you feel if you're, you know, in the pick four or pick five, you're three for three or four for four, you get to the seventh race, you're alive, you're closing. There's 11 horses in this race. It's another sprint. The favorite is three to one in this race. And there are 15 to one shots that have a legitimate chance. There are oh, going to wow. be a bunch of five, there's six. A, there's a huge, it's a huge betting opportunity. Great betting opportunity. There are so many ways to go. And uh, I thought there were uh, a couple horses to look at. And in particular, the, the, the three horse black sword is 15 to one on the morning line. Vincente Del Cid is an apprentice jockey. He's the leading rider at Evangeline and he is really, really impressive. He's in the top five at Louisiana. And the only reason why he's not higher is because he doesn't ride as many races at Louisiana as he does at Evangeline, but his percentage yeah. yeah, well, his percentages are awesome. He's one of the top winning percentage riders. He just goes back and forth a lot between Louisiana and Evangeline. He rides for top trainers all the time. Black Sword on June the 4th was in a race that was kind of like this field. He was against Creole Charlie 
and takes two to tango and a lot of these same horses that are in this race and black sword sort of exactly like the trip we were talking about in the other race, he drew the rail and he was close to the front, but a couple of horses to the outside were quick and it put him behind. And then he got shuffled back. All of a sudden he went from being on the lead to fourth. And that's the difference between winning and losing when you just get shuffled a couple positions and you end up losing your spot a little bit. I think he can sit more in here. There's a lot of speed. So I think he'll just take back a bit more Um, on April the 27th, the second start back. We actually saw that type of trip where he sat about three or four lengths off and moved to it. He is 15 to one. Same thing. If you're playing pick fours, pick fives, use him. I had him stacked like eight to one. So if he's anything eight or over, I'll be making a win wager on him for sure. And I'll use him with the horse to the way outside. Who's also 15 to one Yankee seven. So yeah. two horses in this race that are 15 to one that are going to be in my pick fours in my pick fives. This is a day that could be a really, really big day. It's fun. Big betting races. Yankee seven actually back in April and in March, just earlier this year, has some of the best races on the page and some of the better speed figures. He just has a couple races recently where he's thrown in a little, a, a couple clunkers. One of them was on the grass. He's certainly capable of better. And yeah, he's a, he's a fun horse to throw in your pick four. So we're coming to, we're coming swinging at least. I haven't, I've been awful on your Tuesday shows, man. So far, my horses have been getting in some trouble. They're not running as well. Hopefully we can connect one for you today. Um. So one quick question though because when you were yeah. on for the derby you talked about how if you like a horse you play him one under everybody this would be now this would this be a race when you do that because the price is so high absolutely well, absolutely it, it's in particular like in the seventh race and even earlier with the the bigger price in the last race we could play one where you go all over 311 and then another one where you go 311 overall. So that way, if either one of these horses win, you hit the exacta. If either one of these horses run second, you hit the exacta. And it's going to pay great with a double-digit horse in it either way. So you give yeah. yourself a couple different opportunities. That's a good question. And that's not a bad approach at all with horses that are big prices like this. Absolutely. I mean, because my buddy Dan, you're, he's your number one fan. because That's you my guy. For, Danny K, right? Danny K? With... Uh, with that advice you gave at the Derby. So he is always appreciative of you. Um, Gino, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media and everything? Yep. It's me. Gino B is where you can find me on Twitter. I do a lot of my work on there. I'm trying to get more active on, uh, on Instagram over there too. Cause Eric, was always nudging me to do so. Which, uh, he's better on Instagram than I am. Uh, you can follow me on there at Gino Bacola and for Louisiana downs. If you're ever looking to play the races they're uh, they run on Monday, Tuesday, and then on Saturday and on Sunday. So they run four days of the week. They have seven race cards every time uh, that they run. And I'm always out there uh, on their broadcast before and after. So if you're ever looking for some action, if you want to reach out to me, I'll let you know some of my best bets. I try to be active and post on Twitter as well. And uh, looking forward you also to have that contest where Mondays and Tuesdays. You, yeah, boy, yep. if you retweet and you're following you and Louisiana Downs, you put the bet. I think it's best bet. It's pick four. four. Yep. Races yep. four through seven is always yep. the pick four. So if every Monday and Tuesday, we give away two $20 win bets. Some weeks you're in between paychecks, right? Or maybe you had a bad week gambling. So you don't have a whole lot of money in the account until next week. Hey, come on over on Monday and Tuesday. You can get a free roll and there's not 
It's not like a contest where you sign up and there's a million people that enter. We get, you know, whoever's following along on Twitter yeah. on Mondays and Tuesdays. So sometimes there's 20, 30 people. Sometimes there's not even, sometimes there's 15. You could have a legitimate shot to get, you know, a $20 win bet. And then you put 20 bucks to win on a five to one shot. Boom. All of a sudden you got a hundred bucks coming right back to you for bucks, nothing. Boom. Wham, bam. So right. definitely a good contest. I always try to do it. Um, I, th- I've been, I told my buddy Dan about it. I think he's going to start doing it. So make sure you give Gino follow. He'll be improve his Instagram game. I promise. Yep. And uh, yep. we'll talk soon, my man. Awesome. Thank you so much, buddy. And good luck, everyone out there. Thanks again. And uh, tune into Louisiana on Saturday. It's going to be the best day of their meet all year long. So we're at that part of the podcast where we're talking NASCAR. And he's back. He hit McDowell plus 105 last week. Brandon, how you doing, my man? Doing good. Hopefully being able to cash in just a little bit more. That hit was nice, but we always want a good money grab, and hopefully we can get that at Michigan. Yeah, always want more. You know, we did hit – I hit Busher plus the 125. Now we're back to my home track in lovely Brooklyn, Michigan. So I have a weird strategy for this one. Um, You know, my first bet, you know, I'm, I'm looking at guys that need wins. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm looking at guys that need wins. I'm going with Kevin Harvick, good old Uncle Kev. Uh, since 2019, five races. He has three wins here. He's led 24% of the laps. On two-mile intermediate tracks, eight races, he's led 14.5% of the lab, percent of the um, laps led. I think I got him at like a good price, like a 20 to one. Too. Yeah, he's still needed, there. He's needed a win. You know, I'm, I'm going to lock him in. Lock him in. I think you'll back this with me. Blaney is in there on points right now. But if two guys outside of points gets wins, then that leaves Blaney out. He is due. He's been fast all year long. I think he's at 10 to 12 to one, depending on what book. But I would 100% grab Blaney this week. Uh He's going to have a good race. And Michigan is his style, too. And it's going to be like a restricted plate race when you see all the drafting that you're going to have at this track. He won the race last week, last year, last week. Sorry. Yes. Last year. I'm on him at 12 to 1 as well. Um, Next one. I'm going to do – I'm going to go Logano 20 to 1. He's done well here at this track. He's led 25% of the laps here since 2019. I think there's just there's just good value with Logano. I think he's yeah. kind of kind of you know just a little bit under the radar, kind of getting a little underlooked. I'll take Logano here at twenty to one, and I will piggyback that with a Martin Truex Jr. at twelve to one. He is also another guy kind of like Blaney. That's just due. It's he's had a great season. He signed the contract with Gibbs. He's got that off of his back. He's bound to just have a good overall finish and a win. So at 12 to 1, I like that. You know, I personally don't ever like going Logano because of past history, but I will side with you on the 20 to 1 because being able to grab him at that kind of odd right now, make sure you lock it in before qualifying because if he qualifies in the top 10, he will immediately drop anywhere from 8 to 12 to 1. That will immediately drop your 110%, right? Um, my last one. Now, normally we don't do these, but I am doing Brad Kozlowski top 10 plus 350. Home track needs like like three. He has three top 10 finishes here at his last five races. I don't know. I kind of think since, (laughs) excuse me, since it is his home track, he may come out. He may do well here. 
plus three fifty for a top ten. You know, I'll I'll gamble. I'll take that. I like that. He is also a guy we talked about it earlier in the year that with him having ownership in his own company and now Roush Fenway Kozlowski that he's not a driver anymore. So the man's going to have to win to get in period. The points will not get him there. I think if he doesn't make the playoffs, I got a good feeling this is absolutely his last season. So, Oh, wow. So you're saying if he doesn't make the playoffs, he's out. I think he's done. And he's just going to sit back, let somebody fill the car, and he can operate as a partial owner and run his run his machine company that he has. Nice, nice. He hasn't nice. been the same ever since he took over his ever since he created his own company, and then partnered with Rash Fenway. Yeah, the guy used to be in top tens every single week, and he's just he's nowhere to be found. He sucks at road courses, which he spun out four or five times at Indianapolis. At this point, it's becoming embarrassing. So what happens if he's in the car consistently embarrassing himself? That's not going to help your business either. And it's not going to help the partnership with Roush Fenway. So if the man doesn't get a win and make it interesting for a playoff run, I don't see him back in a car next year. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, So do you have any more bets you're looking to add? or That's it. This Michigan with the new car, like – I'm thinking it's going to be more of a restrictor plate style racing, a lot of drafting. It's still hard to pass in this car. Um, I would double check your bets after qualifying. If you see an oddball up there in the top 10, then I'd jump on them if the odds are good because passing is going to be difficult. And at this point, you want to look at drivers that are outside of the playoffs because we're getting down to the last few races and it's going to be a win to get in. So you're going to see a lot of crazy strategies, which will cause wrecks with bad tires, two tires, no tires, four tires. You're going to see a lot of swings at the end of these races. So keep an eye on your live betting as well for somebody just to show up in the mix late in the race. Brandon, I'd like to thank you you for coming on. You're in the middle of a move. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on the old social media? The old social media, which is the Happy Harvick, is Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram, BostonBoy83. Appreciate you allowing this to be a little short to finish the move. I know you got to drive, you got to deal with as well. But uh, hopefully, we can cash in some bets, guys. Let's make some money. And uh, until next week, my friend. Guys, that's it for the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Reminder, the ETOF 2-1 Sports Show is going to be back this Tuesday live on Twitch and YouTube. FanDuel's very own Dave Weaver is going to come on. We're going to preview the NFC West. Thank you to this week's guest, Footballed Guy on TikTok and Instagram, Nick, my man, Gino at it's me Gino B at CXFL Jim giving you the CFL bets and at Boston Boy 83 giving you the NASCAR action. Make sure to give those guys a follow. They know their stuff. Until next week, boys and girls.